Breaking the stigma of addiction. This is Zach's life, a story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Reflecting on Zachary Horton and others in our community, both, both inside and outside of their addiction. addiction. Hosted by Jim Horton of the Zachary Horton Foundation. Hello, this is Jim, and I'm here with Austin Reed. Austin is a, a new friend of mine. Uh, I've uh, been on his show uh, a couple of times, and uh, his voice is going to sound much better than mine here. But Austin, I have to say this, as you come in, when I'm on your show now, we're being filmed, you're always wearing a tie. So I was a little disappointed. I thought maybe <laughs> a tie was just uh, how it always was with you. No, but, uh, no. Only Wednesdays and Thursdays. Okay. When I'm on TV, that's that's when the tie comes out. If I'm just on a podcast, I'm like you. I've just All got, right. I've got a polo though. <laughs> you so, do, you do. Semi-casual. You're, you're, you're just a regular guy. That's yeah. great. So Austin, t- t- tell everybody what it is that you do, people that haven't seen your show, and and kind of explain to us uh, how it all works. Okay, so I am the host of a number of television shows. Number one, The Read Report, which airs every Friday at 8 a.m. on Channel 53. And I'm also the host of Central Valley Talk. Let's see, what else do I do? I own the Austin Reed Network on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, and I host Valley View on KNXT Channel 49. Wow. A lot of stuff. Wow, you're you're a, a busy guy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So what do you do for hobbies? <laughs> uh, sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I guess so. Well, and I know you have a beautiful family. I see yeah. pictures on, on Facebook of, of your girls. So yeah, yeah that's got to be just... Uh, just fantastic. It's great. You know, it's funny. I was walking out of the house earlier this morning and I was thinking, I have such a great life. I've got two beautiful daughters. Uh, they're twins. They're five years old. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got two crazy little dogs. I've got a cat and I get to do what I love, which is broadcasting. I've been in broadcasting for for almost 20 years. So, I, I was thinking I was thinking about that and you know I was like I I have no reason to complain. I have no reason to get upset even though I do because I'm human. But all in all I have a very I have you know I <laughs> I was thinking like man I've just got the 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 50s dream, the 1950s dream, beautiful family and a job that I love. So well with all of that I'm just guessing that everything came Real easy. You've probably had no struggles in your life. You haven't had any conflicts or anything like that that's coming. The way. Oh, wait, except you're here on my podcast. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, a lot of people are going to talk know. about Zach's, Zach's life. Yep. And so well, why don't you give us a little background about Austin's life? So I was a very driven, driven kid. I When I was like nine years old, television news spoke to me. And this was in the days of... Peter Jennings and Tom Brokaw and Dan Rather. And I remember just obsessing over the the evening news. So I think I was 10 years old and I turned my parents' basement into a pseudo newsroom. Oh, how cool. And my co-anchors were stuffed animals. And uh, the local ABC affiliate came out. They did a story about me. And the unique part of that story was this kid is 10 years old and he's his dream is to be a news anchor one day, but he's also got cystic fibrosis. So I was diagnosed with CF 
short for cystic fibrosis when I was three years old. So uh, they did a whole little feature piece on me. And shortly after, they, they asked me if I wanted to be their junior reporter course i jumped on that sure you know and so then uh you know i did that for about a year and uh my dad he came up with a good idea uh, after that kind of ended uh he said why don't you produce your own shows at cable access so he took me there and i did that for six seven years uh so all the way through middle school and high school and i remember um you know i mean i Gosh, we probably had 40 kids from across. Uh, this was in Portland, Oregon. That's where I grew up. So uh, kids from across the Northwest, they came on and um, and we did newscasts every week on cable access. So by the time I was 17, uh, I was student body president in my high school and uh, the Fox affiliate KPTV came to me. And well, actually, I came to them with the idea. I said, hey, why don't why don't you uh, start like a teen teen news franchise? And I could be the reporter in the face of it. And they said, okay, great. So they hired me. Um, and yeah, I was, I was a wow. full-time reporter at 17 years old for a, you know, Fox, Fox 12, Oregon. And I uh, did that for three years. And then I, um, let's see, after that, I moved to New York City for a little while. I wanted to, tr- I wanted to try acting and I did a little bit, but uh News broadcasting stayed with me. I was like, I got to get back into it. So I moved to New Mexico and over the course, you know, of the last 13 years, I've been in New Mexico, I've been in New York, I've been in uh, West Virginia, Arkansas, um, just all over the country, uh, other markets in Oregon. And I uh, came back here to, to Fresno, actually, let's see, six years ago, I, I returned and I worked for Channel 53 um, six years ago. My daughters were born in Clovis at Clovis Community. Okay. And uh, and then, let's see, in 2017, I went back to Oregon for a couple of years and then returned here to Fresno one year ago. And uh, Fresno has been very, very good to me. Um, I, I've had a lot of opportunities here. But like you said, uh, you know, everything isn't, isn't uh, perfect. Sure. Um, the, 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 I would say the worst, you know, some people would say, oh, oh, the worst thing that's happened to you is cystic fibrosis. No. No, the worst thing that happened to me um, was uh, drug and alcohol addiction. So oh. uh, it was, um, you know, I, 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 I like to think that I hit it you know, for a number of years. Um, but now that I'm, you know, completely clean and sober, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure people knew. (laughs) Yeah. They knew, they knew. So, um, but it's, it's something that, uh, it's, it's my story now. And, um, you know, I, I haven't, I didn't want to come out with it. Um, up until, up until I, I, I got some, Sobriety, some real sobriety, you sure. know, and uh, so I. Well, I, it it has to be. Uh, uh, frankly, I'm thinking it, it it's got to be a little in, intimidating, especially when you see. And sure. we were talking about this a little bit earlier, you know, offline. We, we were talking about just how society responds oh, yeah. to it. Sometimes it's not. It, it, people don't. People don't understand. You, you know, and 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 let's say this. Let's say this up front. People who who don't have um, addiction or substance use disorder, as we refer to it now, that don't that haven't had that touch their lives mm-hmm. 
specifically and closely, they they don't understand. They do not. You, you know, if, if someone's talking about the water shortage that's that's happening in the Middle East or someplace sure. like when I was younger, you know what? We didn't have a water shortage. I didn't understand. Not only that, I really didn't. I didn't care. I mean, did I care? Well, yeah, I cared. Yeah, but it's I not, didn't care. Yeah, if it, it's it, not in your face, th- then then it's then it's not there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what you know. And let's even bring it. You know, I often talk about you know cancer or diabetes, and I relate mm-hmm. addiction to other diseases. Even those diseases, as serious as they are, I mean, you just talked about cystic fibrosis. Well, I know that that's CF has to be bad. Yeah, but really, I don't care. I right. mean, I don't know anyone. Right. You're the only person I know. Yeah. That has it. And frankly, you look normal. So, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. I, it doesn't I, make I, that, I don't care. It, it doesn't, doesn't make that, that, the, that person bad. No, no, no. It's just, it's that just I, I'm not aware of it. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me. Right. But it does. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you yeah. know, even like our water shortage, <laughs> guess what every farmer talks about here in the area? Wow. It, 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 it affects them, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what we're learning about. That's what we're learning now about about the the, the addiction pandemic mm-hmm. that's happening now too. Mm-hmm. It is affecting mm-hmm. a, lo- a lot more people than before, and that's kind of what we do here as we talk about how that affects and and, and somehow eliminating that stigma. But anyway, I I kind of rolled off. So, I, so I do well. No, I do want to bring up a point um, as you were talking about that. I was talking to one of my friends and because uh, I went on, I recently went on uh, the podcast that's based in Merced, Knocking Doors Down, and I was one of their guests and they had interviewed Charlie Sheen. Oh, wow. And I was talking to a few of my friends. I was like, yeah, Charlie Sheen was, you know, they, they just interviewed Charlie Sheen and they were like, and, ugh, whatever, he's just a druggie. I was like, that is why I've been reluctant to come out yeah. and saying, hey, I have those same issues, you yeah. know, because people make fun. And I mean, that's just the world that we live in. But I'm at a point now where I just don't care if you're going to judge yeah. me for it. Well, fine. Judge away. Judge well, away. It, because it, I'm sure you're not perfect. Well, and that's just it. And, and those that judge, remember, uh, I remember telling, telling Zach this. If mm-hmm. someone says something about you, Without knowing you, mm-hmm. without doing the study about it, that tells me a whole lot more about them yeah. than it does about you. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. I mean, and so that's, I mean, that's, that's the lesson. Yeah. So exactly. I, I get that. So, so anyway, so back, back, back to your story though. Oh. So you, so, so now you've, 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 you've made this decision uh, and, and now, cause ever since I've known you in, in the last six months, mm-hmm. since we've been together, you've been real open about, about, and I didn't know that when, I first came on your show, yeah. But but you were real open about about your past struggles and and that you were part of the the community. Mm-hmm. So i I decided that uh, I decided to do my my first interview about it, and that was on knocking doors down with Jason and uh, uh, they call him uh, Nal Rock, Nal Rock, <laughs> and uh, his co host, and it was it was awesome. Um, and, but I was still worried about it. Even after I did it, I was like stressing out and like, Oh, I hope people aren't going to judge me. And and my wife, you know, she said, then let them judge you. It is what it is. You can't, you know, not everybody's going to like you, you know, but, and, and, 
And I remember she asked me, so why did you do it? I said, well, here's the thing. If I could save just one person, just one person, they hear my story, they relate, and somehow, I don't know how, then it's worth it, you know? And uh, so, so then I, um, I went on Payne's podcast, and, and now I'm doing your podcast. So I'm just because I'm, uh, you know, I reached a point in December. Uh, something horrible, tragic happened to me. Um, my co-anchor at the time, and this is when I worked at another station here in town before Central Valley Talk and uh, 53, etc. cetera. Uh, he died uh, due to alcohol. We, oh. we were we were drinking together, and uh, he had a uh, an alcoholic seizure. Uh, died in my arms, fell right down. Oh my god! Yeah, um, we were on the 14th floor in the Pacific Southwest Building, downtown Fresno, and this was around 5:30, um, and I couldn't. He he had fallen down. And I was trying to wake him up, couldn't, you know, I was slapping him. I remember picking up his arm and it just, you know, dropped. So I called the paramedics. After 5 p.m., the doors don't open. The elevator doors don't open in that building downtown Fresno, you know, the skyscraper. And uh, Fresno skyscraper. And um, so, you know, I'm on the phone with paramedics they're saying that, you know, I'm trying to give him CPR and, right, right. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm doing that for, I don't know. It felt like an hour. It was probably only a few minutes. And then they tell me, you need to run down 14 flights of stairs and get to the firefighters because all the doors are locked. So I'm running down, they go up and, uh, and I lost him. So, oh and my God. yeah. Uh, and then th- he wasn't just a coworker. He was a very good friend. Um, we, we had worked together in New Mexico 10 years prior anyway. So, um, so that really, that shook me. And, uh, after his death, I was drinking morning, midday, afternoon, evening, overnight, and, uh, it just got out of control. So, um, I remember, uh, one night I, I had drank so much that, I must have fallen over on the on my um, living room table and coffee table, and uh, I lost track of time. My wife gets home, my daughters come home, they're freaking out. Daddy, what's wrong with you? I'm bleeding. I broke my nose. Oh wow! <laughs> so, um, so that's when I, you know, I had I had been struggling with drugs and alcohol use for. I mean, realistically, since I was 20 years old, so uh, for for more than a decade, and um, that's when I, I checked myself into rehab, and uh, I, I I was finally ready after my best friend dies in front of me due to this disease of addiction, right? And and being a father right. and a husband and 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 loving my career, I wanted to save what I could save, uh, but again. I wasn't ready until, until then. So, so I've, um, I'm, I work recovery. It's, it's, it, it, I, I work it every day. It is, it is the most important thing in my life other than my family, because for me, for sure. me, I, I have 
to keep recovery number one uh, because I am a I am a, a hardcore addict. So, uh, well, and and Austin being and again working it like you're working it, and I didn't know this is the first time I've heard your that I've heard your story when when uh, when you go to meetings when you talk about when you talk about this, and again you said for me this is it. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that 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 other people have different stories mm-hmm. and everything is it's it's an individual it's an individual sure. process it's Absolutely. an individual journey mm-hmm. right that 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 people that people seek yeah you know not everybody has to go to rehab not everybody has to go to sober living not everybody has to go to meetings you know uh it's it's for you know you have to work a program that you feel good about and you know i'm not going to judge anybody that doesn't go to you know, AA or NA or, you know, whatever, celebrate recovery. Um, if they're able to, to, to cut, cut the addiction, great, more power to them. But, and, but the, and that kind of leads us into, to, into the next discussion. Cause a lot of people would say, no, it has to be done this way. What, whatever, whatever that, that way is for them. However, I got sober. Mm-hmm. That's the way, cause it worked for me. So I know that other people must get sober that way too. In fact, I, I, I often think, and again, and, and let me let me let me preface this by saying, I am not an expert in this field. Unfortunately, I know way more about it than I ever wanted to know after losing my mm-hmm. son. Uh, and I've, I've, and unfortunately, I know a lot more about it than a lot of people that have been in recovery for decades because I have read new material. If addiction is the only disease that still the major there's a majority of treatment that hasn't changed for 60 70 80 years mm-hmm. it's still treated the same way it's still the same 28 day inpatient model go to a 12 step program abstinence and and that's it and and the discussion that that I'd like for, you know for us to to continue for the for the rest of the day is maybe talking about how that how that might look different for people and that's not necessarily good or bad. Right. It's just different because that is about breaking we don't need to just break the stigma of addiction for for families out there that don't know anything about mm-hmm. addiction. We need to maybe break that stigma for people that are in recovery because they see themselves just one way and then when they have a if they have a slip or if if you know they don't make a meeting on time, the kind of shame that still is heaped upon them and the guilt that comes can turn them back into uh, something that they never had any intention of falling into. So I I was telling you earlier that I participated in uh, this, this last weekend uh, in a, a, a conference called mobilized recovery. And it was absolutely incredible. And they had, they had keynote speakers and they had leaders from from the government, from mm-hmm. past from past governments, um, uh, uh, f- from from all over the U.S. There are things happening in different states. Unfortunately, there's no collective. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's nothing collective about it. But that's what they're choosing to change. They're choosing. They're 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 bringing all of these grassroots movements together. Right. And, and, and bring this about and talking about new things that are happening in recovery. And it was just, it was fascinating. It was, it was heartbreaking. Oh my God. The first, the first day, uh, hearing the stories of people cause, cause so many people 
end up being uh, this one gal called herself an accidental advocate. Hmm. Uh, I say one gal. She's the congresswoman in New Jersey. Uh, I forget her. I forget her name. Um, but she calls herself an accidental a- advocate, and, and, and her son ha- has survived. Right. So, so, but now this is her. This has become her mission, right? The, yeah. the the bills that she chooses to look for and things. So many people that were part of this movement are people that had found themselves, right, in yeah. in a situation that they never thought they'd be in, that they didn't understand. Uh, and and so my goal is to bring. If I had even a glimpse of the awareness that I got from this weekend before, I I think that that I I would have made much better decisions concerning my son, and 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 hopefully he would still be alive today. Yeah. And, and, and the more that I learned, the more that I believe that that is absolutely not just a possibility, but a strong probability. Absolutely. That, 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 that would have happened. Well, you know, I'm, I mean, I am, I am very, I'm always worried for, for my daughters. They're only five right now, but the disease of addiction runs in the family. So, um, you know, for instance, my father, he, he was an alcoholic. Uh, not my mom, but my father was, his father was. So if there's any kind of addiction and it doesn't have to be, you know, both parents, just if there's anybody in, in your family that has struggled with addiction, it, it could happen to Let, your son or daughter. And, and let's be aware. Let's, exactly. let's prepare. Right. If, if your wife had had breast cancer and her mother and her mm-hmm. grandmother your daughters, you would, you would, you say, how early can I get the screenings? Yep. What, That's what right. can I do? We're putting it on the calendar now. I'm going through my phone for ten years from now, and we're going to set up the appointments. And as they grew up, you'd be telling them each way, this is something, honey, you got to be careful of, That's and right. you'd be setting it up, and it would just be part of the normal conversation. Yep. You wouldn't live in fear about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You would just be knowledgeable enough to. Well, well, one one of the things one of the things that. Um, that I learned this weekend, and these are stats that have been out there that the CDC uh, opened up uh, and, and shared, so they're, they're all online. In 2020, there were over 93,000 overdose deaths. 93,000. Yep. It was up 29% yeah. from 2019. 93,000. That is 254 perish every day 254 souls die every day from overdose that's not people who die from alcoholism uh-huh. that's not people yeah. that's not suicides mm-hmm. that's just drugs that's just drugs right. that's just overdose deaths and, and that's and, that's one every six minutes wow wow we've had three already pass since since we've been talking right Right. And everybody and, and, you know, we're all worried about COVID right now, but this is a pandemic. It's getting worse. And and also when when we hear when we hear overdose deaths, it's not, you know, people we say, oh, drug overdoses. Right. Well, guess what? A lot of those drug overdoses are people that are getting hooked to Vicodin. 
Oh yeah, they're this not part. Like, they're not partiers, right? This isn't hardcore heroin meth users. These are every and, and I'm not saying that somebody taking a uh, you know Vicodin, uh, misusing Vicodin is 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 not as bad as somebody uh, that's taken heroin, you know. But I, I the the point is, you know, because when we we all think drugs, our mind first goes, oh, meth head, heroin addict, you know. Yeah. So just think yeah. about what, that. What about the what about the gal who the gal who's having some pain? So she took a mm-hmm. someone gave her a right, you know, yeah. gave her it laced with fentanyl, dead. dead. Did it? Dead. You, you had told me that just, that story. Just just like that. These are the things that these are the things that are happening. They're mm-hmm. they're actually these aren't people who 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 want to die. Exactly. This isn't their goal. They're not out there partying themselves on the line mm-hmm. uh, on the on the line. You know, to this. You know, to, to 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 death. This is just what happens. The, one of the people at this conference, they made such a point. We had we had two jumbo jets that crashed last year. There are about two hundred and fifty people, about mm-hmm. the same number of people who die every day from overdosing. Mm-hmm. That crashed within a month mm-hmm. of each other, and they shut down. They pulled every plane of yeah. that model right. and shut it down. Right. Stopped it entirely. Mm-hmm. This morning on the news, there was a train. There was a train that crashed in Montana and there were four dead. And it caught 30 minutes of news at the top of the hour on, on all the morning shows. I mean, and tragic. And it, and it should. I mean, very tragic. We have 254 dying every day, mm-hmm. and there's not even a news report. No. There was nothing in the paper about my son's passing or about his friend who passed six months later. I know two people personally, personally, that I've spent time with, that I ate meals with, mm-hmm. that have that have overdosed. And I'm not an addict. I mean, anyone who's anyone who's young, they know. You know, they know a dozen mm-hmm. that you know that, that that have that have gone. This reminds me back in the, how many people passed during the Vietnam War? That was, was it fifty five thousand? Yeah. yeah, something insane. Oh, half of what died right last year alone, right over over a ten year period. Yeah. But it, but I remember during that time, I remember everyone had a family or they knew a family mm-hmm. of someone who had passed. Mm-hmm. That's the way this pandemic is. Except we still don't talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah. We just don't talk about it. It's it's hidden. It's it's bad. It's evil. Well, yeah. It's it's this it's this a, a theme of uh, of punishment. Like we can punish our way out of uh, you know out, out of out of out of fixing it, you know somehow. But now it's gotten to the point where where we can't. We've got to change our way of thinking and break the stigma of addiction. That's it. and 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 one of the things one of the the keynotes that happened this weekend. Oh, by the way, we're at 26 minutes. So now that's so now that's every six minutes. That's four that have died since we've been talking. That's unbelievable. Uh, but the the new the new speaking term that I heard a lot talked about was harm reduction, mm-hmm. which which for me I I wasn't familiar with it, it but it, it it really brought to the forefront, and I wanted to have a conversation with you about that over the next 10 minutes, if we can, mm-hmm. uh, just about what that might look like. And the way that, that they described it, uh, harm, harm reduction, one of the, one of the 
definitions was uh, it's a set of practical strategies and ideas aimed at reducing negative consequences associated with drug use Mm -hmm. or to reduce the negative effect of drug and alcohol use. Mm. So it's looking at reducing that effect. Mm -hmm. It about the drug use. It doesn't talk about punishing Mm -hmm. the user. We don't punish people who have diabetes or who have cancer or mental illness or mental illness. Well, now we used to. We used to, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. We used to, right. But okay, we've learned. We've learned. Uh, we've yeah. learned about mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Right, but not necessarily right. people who 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 suffer who suffer with with, with substance use. That's right. So, what what would that what would that look like mm-hmm. for us? And I, and I can tell you, we talked earlier. There were there were there were two things, and and again, in the harm reduction model, uh, there were two things specifically that happened to my son that I can recall that I know that that really made him feel horrible and and I was on board with them it's and it's all that I knew yeah uh, uh well one one I wasn't when he the, the first the first sober living home that he went to live in after he got all of after after being a uh after he was an opioid addict he got all of 2 weeks he had 2 weeks of medical detox to get to get these this poison out of his system. It didn't address any of the social aspects of it, of the psychological aspects or the psychiatric aspects of it. All it did was get that, get the, get the evil out of his, out of his system. Yeah. But, and he wanted to graduate high school so bad. And he had been, uh, he was diagnosed with ADD when he was seven Mm -hmm. years old and he had been on, been taking Adderall. For, for his whole, so for him to be able to think and function without Adderall was almost inconceivable yep. for him. And he needs to graduate. He's two months behind. And, and he was, he was kicked out of his sober living home because he tested positive for Adderall that he told them that he had and that he needed to take. Uh, and, and again, so that's, that would be in, in this new way of thinking. And what I heard about the harm reduction is, is they would say, look, you have medications. Don't, don't worry about that. And, and then that speaks then directly. So even that I was a little frustrated with, but I was all on board. Hey, Adderall's a drug. Well, guess what? It, I've, I've got a whole cabinet full of drugs that, you know, that we take every day mm-hmm. for my cholesterol, for, mm-hmm for whatever it is, right? Supplements that I take, you know, or whatever. And I want to bring up a point in regards to Adderall. I was addicted to Adderall, okay? Uh, But I've got ADHD. It's different than ADD. Now, somebody that takes Adderall that has true ADD, they can't get high off of it. Yeah, no, no, Zach didn't get high. It just helped him, his mind slow down so he could focus. And they don't abuse it. I, I have many friends in recovery that, take Adderall. They take one or two daily and that's it. They don't abuse it. It doesn't get them high. For me, it got me high because I've got more of ADHD. So I had to stop doing it, which makes sense. So now I, I'm, I'm on what's called Stratera, uh, which is another ADD, uh, ADHD medication and it uh, doesn't get me high. I don't abuse it and I can focus. So, but this, you know, the glove what is that term? The glo- you know, uh, the, you, you, I forget that term, but uh, you know, it's it. 
One glove doesn't fit everybody. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. That, yeah, yeah. It's not like a one-size-fits-all hat. Right, you don't right. have a one-size-fits-all glove. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and it's like that with medication. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. And I think along the lines of, of harm reduction, the other thing where I, where I failed my son was, and, not, and I've said this before uh, on, this, on this podcast, is that, is that when he would have 30 to 40 days of sobriety and then he would – and he would slip, and he mm-hmm. would go out and, and smoke weed with some friends or something. I would, I immediately fell right in line with the with the with the, the, the tough love program, yeah. and yeah. It, you know you can't come back to the house anymore. You know you, you're you know yeah you're out. The the whole thing is shot. Right. You've got to start all over. Instead of celebrating the fact that for two years you'd been using every day, mm-hmm. and now. You're able to put 45 days together of and, and and you had and you had a and you had a slip, and then you're right back on and you come you owned up to it, boom yeah. and you're right back on the program. That's it, what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. We need uh, to start thinking of 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 our of our people and 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 so I would say that to parents and I would say mm-hmm. that to kids when you're working hard at changing and making positive changes in your life, you don't tell someone who's on a diet that that's the whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah, you have a piece of candy, us. Ah, Screw it! Right. I, I, hey, hey, I'm I'm a just I'm I'm done. I'm done with this. I didn't work out today. I'm never working out again. Re relapses happen, and uh, I also I also have friends that are in recovery, uh, but they do smoke a little bit of pot. Now, for me, I can't do that. I, I because for me, pot is if I'm going to smoke pot, then I'm going to be smoking it all the time, every day, every night, and I'm not going to be no, right. uh, I'm not going to be in society, right? So for me, I have to stop. But for people that maybe they have pain, right? And they're on a, what's called marijuana maintenance therapy program. And maybe they do it just at night to help with back pain or whatever. And it's not a problem. I think we need to have those conversations, now right. moving forward, and, 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 and let it be said, I'm not saying, and we're not saying here that this is what we're promoting. Right. That everybody go out and and and, and light up. But let's just but, have the conversation. But, but, let's, but let's talk, have the, and, and let's realize your friends that are that are using occasionally, mm-hmm. they're still holding down their job. Absolutely, their relationships are still together. Hundred percent, yeah. And and they're functioning like normal human beings in society. You but, know, they're but not, they're probably scared to death. To even be able to discuss, yeah, to, in, in, yeah. In, in, yeah, in, in a lot yeah. of arenas, in mm-hmm. a lot of arenas, mm-hmm. this is something even in the recovery community that we can't that we can't talk about. So, I mean this this conversation that we're having here, I, I realize the the risk that's involved, mm-hmm. even in doing this now. Mm-hmm. But again, my my the mission of the Zachary Horton Foundation is not about abstinence. It, it is about eliminating the stigma. Mm-hmm. And, and to do that, people have to begin to look. Right. Have to begin to look at it differently. Mm-hmm. And this is a conversation that's happening in the recovery community and needs to continue to happen in every, in every aspect. Yeah. Um, you know, I know of sober living houses that have these rules like, uh, you know, somebody's been there for two weeks, they're doing great. And one night they... They had a couple drinks. They came back uh, to the sober living and they got kicked out. And uh, and it's, you know, midnight. 
and they have nowhere to go. They can't get a hold of anybody, so they sleep outside in 40-degree weather. That is not right. That is not helping them. So, you know, to, to be so strict and we, I, in my opinion, we need to calm down and celebrate the good things and, 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 and realize for each person, each person has a different story. And, uh, you know, just because, you know, just because you made a mistake, you did really well and you made one mistake doesn't mean you're going to hell. And that's just my opinion. That's it. And, and, and I don't think that that, that is the measure of your character Mm -hmm. and, and who you are. In fact, if anything, it, it, it shows your humanity. Yeah. Now, and now that doesn't say that we don't have that we don't have boundaries. Set, right, sure, exactly. That there's not that there's not rules, but and 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 let me say, I do believe, I do believe that, and that's what this conference was about. That's happening. There's another conference happening this week down in Palm Springs that I know many of the uh, many of the the facilities are are all attending. Mm-hmm. I I believe like every other industry, now that there's money available, there are studies being done, there's data being collected, and I think. I hope and pray that the face of treatment in, in, in recovery will look so different 10 years from now, right. just like it has mm-hmm. with every other disease. It doesn't need to be that draconian thought anymore. Mm-hmm. We can move beyond that. We can, be, we can be better than that. And I think this conversation is a great, is a great way to stop. And, and, I, and I hope to have... I hope to have more of these yeah. in the future yeah. too. Well, I mean, and, and uh, you know, uh, there, there's also, especially like for your son uh, who, you know, and, and my story uh, is very similar to your son's as, as far as, you know, my drug of choice was painkillers, uh, was oxycodone and uh, Vicodin, you know, and uh, I had been, I, I got put on what's called Suboxone treatment. Uh, and that helped me for a number of years. It was really hard to get off of, <laughs> but I'm glad that I was on it because I know that I wouldn't be as successful in my career over the last, you know, 20 years. Cause there were, you know, I was on it for about four years and while I was on it, I did very well. I didn't drink. Um, it, it, you know, helped me with my, uh, uh, with my pain med issue, you know, now, but, uh, but again, you know, a lot of doctors say you shouldn't be on it that long, maybe like a year or six months. But, you know, after talking to you about this new harm reduction plan, my thought has already changed. You know, maybe for some people, if they need to be on it for 20 years and if that's going to save their life and, and not make them dead, yeah. then maybe it's worth it. And, and the recovery community is like, nope, you can only be on it for two days and that's it. Yeah, and and, you know, and, and that's and and that that's it exactly. There's there's a whole lot of data now, especially with young and and drugs yeah. are not all drugs are not the same. No, like they nope. used to. And so what they're finding with with young people in 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 op, in the opioid crisis, mm-hmm. uh, you know, methadone, uh, suboxone in some countries they're they're even they're even dosing they're even dosing heroin. That comes. It's about yeah. saving your life. Mm-hmm. 
it's like, and, and we had this talk earlier. I, I remember when I worked in, in treatment programs 30 years ago, everyone talked about, you know, you just had to hit bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's when you get better, when you hit bottom. Well, if you're an alcoholic and you hit bottom, that may be losing your job. It may be ending up in jail. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Al- well, th- yes. But, and, but I can tell you when opioid addicts hit, hit bottom, they're dead. Exactly. And, and so, yeah. so, so let's not... Let's not make that the criteria anymore. Right. Let's take that out of our vocabulary. You know, where 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 someone has to get bottom before they get better. Let's just keep let's keep them alive. Mm-hmm. Let's keep them alive, mm-hmm. and and instead of punishing them, let, let's let's just show them so much love. Love, yeah. You know, in fact, I, I'm gonna I want to have a T-shirt or a hat made that that has the not tough love, just love, just love. Yeah. Let's just yeah. do love. Yeah. No. And and and. Times are a changing. Yes, and um, every every addict's story is different. And yes. let's listen and not, you know, yeah, you, you just you can't have that one size fits all. Yeah, I think we're living in a different world. It's twenty twenty one. Things are different. Things are different. That's it. Austin, thank you so much for coming and, My pleasure. and, thank and, you. Uh, and, and talking with me today. Um, uh, this is uh, Zach's dad. Uh, reach out and tell someone you love them today. This has been an episode of Zach's Life. Thank you so much for listening. For more info on our foundation and for addiction resources, visit ZacharyHortonFoundation.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a story to tell and want to be a guest on our podcast, email me directly at jim at zacharyhortonfoundation.org.